those under 35 in the Word of God who uh, serve the Lord by faith. And uh, so turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. I'm going to read the entire chapter. It's a long chapter, but then we'll go back and we'll break down a few things. And this, uh, I've enjoyed really studying and putting together these lessons on these individuals. Um, And this one, though, was particularly enjoyable because when I first looked at Gideon, I looked at it maybe three or four months ago in light of the series, and I thought, man, there's a few things there, but I don't know. And then I went back and looked at it, and when I looked at it this time, just amazing amount of things. Uh, And isn't that amazing when you're reading the Word of God? Yeah. You know there's you know there's a lot there but when you read it a particular time it doesn't speak to you and then another time it just things just jump off the page little phrases certain things and and that's how this was so let's go ahead and read this chapter <clears throat> And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian 7 years and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel and because of the Midianites the children of Israel made them dens or the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till thou comest unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then notice this phrase, but you have not obeyed my voice. And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiezrite, and his son Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, and why is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. And he said unto him, If now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee, and bring forth my presence, and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in, and made ready a kid, and unleavened cakes of ephah flour, 
the flesh he put in a basket, and he put the broth in a pot, and he brought it out unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, Take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. And the angel of the Lord put forth the end of his staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there arose up fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for behold, because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal, that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. <clears throat> then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, and he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose up early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who had done this thing? And they, when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, had done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he has cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joab said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one has cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Jerubbabel, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. Then the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said. And it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow, and thrust the fleece together, and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let it now be dry only upon the fleece, and upon all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. There's a lot in that, in that chapter, but I wanted to, to read all of it, and now we'll just go back and look at a few things. The first thing I want, want us to notice is that before God 
began to deliver the children of Israel, it says that the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. After seven years of suffering, they finally cry unto the Lord. And the Lord did not just automatically respond by going right to Gideon and oh, having Gideon deliver them. But first, God sent a prophet. God sent a preacher. And there was a lot more at stake. There was, there was a bigger problem at hand than the Midianites. And the problem that was in the land of Israel was their heart. Yeah. And we will see that even Gideon has to take action uh, concerning spiritual matters before he actually goes to war as well. But first God sent a prophet. And so <clears throat> um, it says it, it was because of sin, God had to remind them. God was preparing the heart of the people for deliverance. And um, in preparing their hearts, he sent them a preacher. He sent them a preacher to remember, to cause them to remember why they were in such strait. And it was because of sin and rebellion. The preacher said in, in verse 8, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. So this is what the prophet is saying. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the God of the Amorites and whose land ye dwell, but then notice this phrase, but ye have not obeyed my voice. God wanted, before God was going to deliver them, God loved his people, God was going to deliver them, he heard their cry, but God was going to make sure that they understood very clearly, this is why things are this way. We don't know exactly how long, how much time passed between when the prophet began to go around the country and preach this message, until the angel comes to, uh, to Gideon. It is interesting that what we might call in our day, we might call a revival, before what, what became a big change in the country, what turned into people serving the Lord again for a while, what turned into freedom from their oppression, it began with one man, a preacher. And then it began with another individual, Gideon. And sometimes <clears throat> we tend to think from a human perspective that if big things are going to happen, then a lot of people are going to have to get involved. But God can begin a mighty work with individuals. Yes. It's our responsibility to make sure that we're serving the Lord and that we're on fire for God. And then um, there's no telling what God will do with us in our life. And I'm addressing primarily from a young person's perspective, don't underestimate what God can do for, through you in your life. Um, you have your life in front of you. There's no telling where God will take you. Now, if you go through your life and you just try to do things your way and you try to um, focus mostly on yourself, then there's a really good chance that not much is going to happen in your life concerning serving God. But if you turn your life over to God, there's no telling what can happen there. So if God comes to this individual Gideon, in verse 11, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto Joash the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Notice he's, he's talking to him in the present tense like 
He's already a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why has all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which his fathers told of us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor, Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. There's... A few things that I want to, there's a lot of really important things to pull out of this small passage that I just read. Some things that I have put in bold here in my notes. There's two things that guarantee success in serving the Lord. Two things. And it's, the theme is really throughout the Word of God. He tells Gideon here. He says, um, uh, what verse was that? He says, have not I sent thee? Go in this, in verse 14. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might. And thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And he says, have not I sent thee? It's all one sentence. And there's a, and there's a colon there. And if you look at it at first, you might like, what does he mean go in this thy might? His might, this is your might. He, he finishes it at the end of the sentence. The fact that I will be with thee, yes. yeah. or, or I have sent thee, that is the might that you're going to, to go in. Go in this thy might. Thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? We see this theme, whether it was, we were looking at Wednesday night with Moses, um, with the apostles. Uh, we'll look at that in a moment, but with the apostles. And when the Lord sends someone, there's guaranteed success. And uh, oh, God doesn't set us up for failure. If God sends us, even though we might not see the results in our life, there was a reason why God sent us. God sent us. God is not a failure. God doesn't fail. And the might that he was going to be going in wasn't that Gideon had this idea that he would go and deliver the 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 Israel from the hand of the Midianites, but the Lord was sending him to deliver. And so the might that he was going in is knowing the fact. And so what would encourage Gideon in the days to come is to know that God has sent me to do this. No matter how afraid, no matter how unsure he would ever be of himself. It was the fact that God has called me, God has sent me, and that's the strength, that's the confidence that he would go in. And he says, go in this thy might. Go. In this thy might, for I have sent thee. And then oh, the next thing that is repeated throughout this, this, this passage here is this. The Lord is with thee, and then surely I will be with thee. The Lord literally was with him. In this passage, when we, when we go here, it says, just notice this. It says, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Ophrah that pertained unto uh, Joash. And you come down and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. 
<clears throat> and then in verse uh, uh, 16, the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. And then we notice also here that, um, look at verse 14. It says, Now it said earlier in 12, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said, but in 14, notice what it says. And the Lord, and it's all capitals there. It says, the Lord looked upon him and said, go on this thy might. Was it an angel or was it the Lord? Because it says the Lord looked upon him and said, this, this was God appearing as a man, as an angel, however you want to phrase it, but this was God making an appearance. And here's what's so powerful. Here's what I want us to notice. It says, the Lord looked upon him. And then in verse 16, it says, and the Lord said unto him, surely I will be with thee. When the angel of the Lord, Jehovah himself said, I will be with thee. It did not mean that he would be with him as he was in that moment in the form of a man. And yet, so not visibly, but he would be with him just as real as he was there speaking to him physically. It's just as real. And we see this. Uh, God is not limited by time, space, or bodily form. And God can speak and deal with people, um, and he still does through the working of the Holy Spirit. But um, notice here, it says... It, or evidence of this fact is that the Lord continued to speak to get directly to Gideon throughout his life. But clearly in this chapter, Gideon communicated with the Lord, although the angel of the Lord was no longer visible. He was no longer present. It's, the angel left, and immediately after the angel left, uh, go down here and find it, um, after he comes, the angel, uh, there, a fire appears on the, out of the rock, and it says, <clears throat> then the angel put forth his, the end of his staff that was in his hand, touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes, and there rose fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God. So he's still talking to God. For because I had seen an angel of the Lord face to face, and the Lord said unto him, Peace unto thee. See, the Lord continued. The angel's gone. But the angel that had said, I will be with thee and I am sending thee, that same Lord, the same Lord is speaking to Gideon. Yes. And so the Lord is still with him. And uh, <clears throat> so I can't help but think about some of the parallels concerning Jesus Christ when he was here and he walked this earth and he had told the apostles that he was no longer going, in a little while, I'm not going to be with you, but I'm going to send you the comforter. And what did Jesus Christ say before he ascended? Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Think about the parallels when uh, uh, the Lord, the angel of the Lord, is telling him that um, I am with thee. And go on this thy power and thy, and thy might that I have sent thee and so forth. Well, notice the, how it parallels uh, what Jesus told the apostles when he was here on earth. 
He said, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's the same exact, the same Jesus, by the way, that was talking to Gideon. It's the same Jesus that gave us the Great Commission. And he told Gideon, he didn't tell him, I'm not going to be with you anymore. In, in, in person, but the angel disappeared and yet the Lord was still with Gideon and he had told him, I will be with you. And yeah. the same God, the same Jesus has promised us that he will be with us in fulfilling the great commission. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's this, we have the same power and the same might, the source of our strength is the same as it was for Gideon. It's the same as it was for Joshua. It's the same as it was for Moses. It's the same God. The God of the New Testament is the God of the Old Testament. And he, he's still, in a, we, a lot of times we say, well, the, the Lord really worked in, in different, differently in the Old Testament. He did, but then he didn't. Because it's the same God yeah, who is with right. us. He's just with us in a different way. Yeah. But did you notice that it talks about that the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon? And it's the spirit of God that is actually in us. It's the spirit of God dwelling in us. And so he's, Jesus told us, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And so um, <clears throat> what about this example of Paul? How the... The Lord stood by Paul when he was in jail in Jerusalem. In Acts 23, it says, In the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer. And what was going to, um, what was such a comfort to him is the Lord was with him. The night following, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as thou hast testified to me in Rome, so must thou also bear witness in Rome. And so, um, the next thing I want to look at is Gideon's humility when he was called by God. Go to verse 15. In verse 15 of Judges chapter 6. And he said unto him, Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? The Lord had told him that he would save Israel. And he said, Wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. <clears throat> Are we supposed to criticize Gideon here or perhaps uh, commend him for his humility? There is a proper attitude for a servant of God that a servant should have. Yes. Gideon was not rebelling. Gideon was saying, I'm not going to do that. Oh, he, it was in the, in the heat of the moment, if you will. He's being told that he's a mighty man of valor. He's being told that he's going to save Israel. He's, he's being told all these things, and in his mind, he's like, I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. How is that, how is that supposed to work? Um, I, have, I have no credibility. I have nothing of myself that I can bring. I'm not a man of war. I don't come from a great heritage. Who am I? That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be when God calls you. Because you need to be at a place where you realize that the only way that any of this is going to work is if God does it. Because God wants to receive all the glory. God doesn't use somebodies to get the job done. 
Just look, at the, just look throughout the Word of God. How many people who thought they had arrived and they were somebody did God use to do great things? He didn't. Uh, did Moses... Uh, what was Moses' response at, at the burning bush when he told him, I want you to go down to Israel and you're going to save Israel. Same kind of thing. You know, you're going to go save Israel. You're going to be the man. And, and I'm going to use you and whatever I say, do it. Did Moses say, man, I've been waiting for 40 years for you to finally come and tell me what I knew was my life's mission all along. And now I get to go do it. No, God doesn't use people like that. What was Jeremiah's response when he was, he was a young man and Jeremiah, right. uh, God told him, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to say. And he's like, I'm but a child. I'm a nobody. How can I do this? And God said, listen, I had a plan for you from the time before you were born. Yes. And this is what you're going to do. And I'm going to be with you. So Gideon, here's a man who in and of himself, he knows he's a nobody. And that's who God uses. And we need to, not that we don't, when we go through our ministry or serving the Lord, it's not that we're not supposed to have confidence. We should have confidence, but our confidence should be in the Lord. Yes. Right? Have confidence. Be bold. The, the early church, the apostles asked for that with all boldness they could speak. But do so relying on the Lord, yes. not your God or your, your natural uh, abilities to be a great speaker or, or whatever. God doesn't use people like that. And so um, there are people who feel called to be in a particular ministry because they're naturally qualified or simply know they would be good at doing it, but that's, that's the wrong reason. Who am I is a valid approach to have. It is a privilege that God should raise up someone such as us. Oh, um, you know, a lot of times we need to go back and remember and reflect on who we were before God saved us and realize that we're all just a bunch of nobodies. We were all condemned. We were all lost. We, none of us had the ability to serve God. And, and uh, it's only through him saving us and he makes us who we are. And if we ever serve God and please him, it's only because of him working right. in us. And so, um, and then notice what Gideon's first order of business was as Israel's deliverer. Verse 24 through 32. I'll just uh, quickly summarize this. <clears throat> we already read it. But God told him that the first thing he had to do in his stand for God was to stand up in his own house and get rid of the paganism and idolatry in his own house. That day, by the way, it was that day. It wasn't, the Lord didn't tell him that, oh, well, let's, let's just go here. Uh, in 24, Gideon built an altar unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom unto this day. In verse 25, and it came to pass the same night. The same night. There's not to be any hesitation in getting rid of sin in our life. And I'm not saying that, that, that Gideon was a worshiper. He wasn't a worshiper of Baal, but his father was. And where he was living and where he was, where he was working, doing the wheat and, and all this, his father's house, his town, his hometown, it was paganism. It was idolatry. And the prophet had already gone through the country telling the people of Israel that this is why this has happened unto you. And here it is in Gideon's own house. Gideon wasn't going to be able to lead the nation until he took care of the problem that was in his own house. And so um, God told him, This same night, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years, and throw down the altar of Baal 
that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God on the top of this rock, in the ordered place, and so forth. And so uh, Gideon, we, we read uh, already that Gideon, he went and did that. And so while his main mission was going to be freeing Israel from the hand of the enemies, his first priority, his first mission was freeing his own family from their false worship. He had to properly worship God. And he had to properly do it in the place that God ordered. God was very specific. Yeah. You're going to take this bullock and you take this bullock and you're going to do it in the, in the ordered place. And so there was a way that God expected him to obey and to do it. He had to, he had to properly worship God and he had to stand for God and he had to take a stand for God against even his own family. Turn over to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14. <clears throat> this passage really flies in the face of so much mainstream Christianity um, where coming to Jesus is just such an easy thing. And, you know, they talk about it. There's a formula. You know, there's a formula for how you can become a believer. And you want to go to heaven? Well, there's a formula. And repeat after me, say this prayer and all this. But they don't ever really talk about repentance. Right. They don't really ever talk about that there's a cost associated yes. with being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, in fact, quite the opposite. They, they encourage you to, to um, come to Jesus as you are. And I'm not saying that we don't invite everybody. Everybody's welcome in this church. I, I Come and hear the gospel preached. But there's a big difference between telling people that you're welcome to come hear the gospel and hear the message of repentance. You, you know, if you want to come and listen to preaching against sin and find forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcome to come to our church, right? But that's a big difference than you're welcome to come and be a part of our church and come here for 10 years and never be a member and, and jump on board with Jesus and have Jesus be your friend. Um, there, there's... Yeah. These things, that doesn't have anything to do with Jesus. Right. So in Luke 14, 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, Jesus wasn't concerned about keeping the multitudes. He wasn't really concerned about telling them things that as long as these multitudes keep following me, then I'm going to keep telling them what they need, what they want to hear. And maybe, you know, some of them will come around. Um, no, it says, And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, notice this, he cannot, he cannot be my disciple. Now that's, that's talking about the Lord has to come first. Of course, the, the word of God is full of passages that talk about us loving our mother and our father and respecting them and, and we're to take care of our family and, and we're to love them. But if your family and your friends come before the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, you can't be his. There's no such thing as going to heaven and being a disciple of Jesus Christ if anything comes before him. Jesus said he cannot be my disciple. And he goes on. Whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Most people don't want to become a Christian because they know that I'm going to actually have to serve the Lord. People know, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do things. I'm going to have to serve the Lord. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to have to go to church. 
you know. There's sins that I'm going to have to give up. And, and uh, um, he says, Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he has laid the foundations not able to finish it, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he have 10,000 men to meet him that cometh with 20? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. Likewise, and he's so direct here, he said, Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. This is where Gideon was. He's going to have to serve the Lord, but the first thing he was going to have to do, at the risk of his life, if in the passage, it talks about the people wanted to come and kill whoever it was that tore down. Who tore down our groves and, and all this? And uh, they're like, oh, that Gideon did that. And uh, um, his father had to step in. What ended up happening? He, he, he was afraid of his father. He was afraid of the people of the town. But what ended up happening? His father actually stood up to the people of the city. His father actually had his back. And I can't help but wonder if his father ended up being a repenting of all that idolatry and maybe even the people of his own town. And by the time they got done seeing that the God of Gideon is real, that the town repented. See, anyway, Gideon, the final thing I want to notice here is, oh, well, it's almost the final thing. Um, Gideon had some friends. Gideon had some friends. He was a young man. Still at home. He wasn't 15 or 19. I believe he was in his mid-20s probably, but he's still living in his hometown, living in his, he's at his father's house. But Gideon had some friends who were willing to take the stand with him in tearing down those idols and all that work that needed done. Gideon couldn't do it all by himself. There's no way Gideon was going to cut down all those trees, cut down all those groves, and, and tear down all those idols, and kill two bullocks, build an altar, sacrifice, and do all that by himself in one night. And so it says in the passage that 10, 10 he got 10 men to do it with him. And uh, he had some friends who were willing to take a stand with him. What a blessing it is for us to know that we don't always have to serve God alone. In fact, God didn't intend for us to serve God alone. Uh, sometimes we might have to, but God actually intended us to serve him in our day and age, we're to serve him through our church. We're to serve him with other people in the family of God from other churches and so forth. Um, when it comes to repentance and turning from sin to God and faith, we do that alone. We do that alone. It's a lonely struggle fighting God in the process of salvation sometimes. It's one-on-one. -on -one. Nobody can save you for you. Nobody can. It's you and God. It's you and God. But what's an amazing thing is as soon as you repent of your sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are adopted into the family of God. You have a whole new family. You've got a whole bunch of new friends. You Now you have, you have partners in, in serving the Lord and, um, and, you're not, and you're never alone. Not only you're never alone because you now have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you and you have a relationship with God, 
but you have a relationship with all the people in the family of God. We don't have to do this alone, but the salvation process, that's one-on-one. That's you and God. And so all of us who are saved, we know what that was like. But how awesome was it that once we were saved, there's this whole, all these doors just open up and life is different in all these new relationships. And so uh, new relationships, new partners to labor in the kingdom of God. I just want to note as we close out this chapter that Gideon seeks a sign from God. And I won't read those verses once again for the sake of time, but 33 through 40. You know, instead of questioning the faith of Gideon and him testing God and God had already told him that he would save Israel, why didn't he just go do it? Gideon was actually weak and doing that and seeking a sign and all this. What I want to focus on is how good God is. How good God is. Why don't we dwell on the love of God for his servants in looking at this? Um, Let's do look at just a few verses if I can... Uh, pull these out. Um, <clears throat> and Gideon, look at 36. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by my hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor, and so forth. And it was so. He rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed out the dew. And then it says, And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be hot against me. And I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Let now it be dry only upon the fleece, and upon the ground let there be dew. And notice this, and God did so that night. Dwell on the goodness of God instead of looking at Gideon. God wanted Gideon to be successful. God wanted Gideon to have peace in his heart, in knowing this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. God wants us to be confident. He wants us to have that confirmation. And God didn't deny him his confirmation. He requested it. He pleaded with God, show me a sign. God gave it to him. He did it again. Lord, just don't be hot in your anger against me. And God wasn't hot in his anger against him. And you can't help but think about the passages where Jesus said, what sort of you ask of my name? That will I give give it unto you. When we're dealing with spiritual matters, when we're talking about serving the Lord and really wanting to know exactly what it is that God would have us to do, there's nothing wrong with really making sure that in pleading with God and asking God, give me peace in this matter. Show me, give me a sign. What a blessing it is that God would listen to Gideon, that God would reassure his young servant, I am with you. We need to realize that God wants us to be victorious and he gives us the confidence to do the work that he has called us to do. God still speaks to us today. It might be a little different, but um, God still speaks to us today and reassures us in the work that we're to do.